You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone, it's Mark here again with a special episode for you. Just recently, Garth and I were interviewed on the Launch Tabletop podcast called Materialize, where we discussed navigating negative reviews. If you'd like to check it out on YouTube, it's episode 22 of Materialize. But otherwise, sit back and enjoy the audio goodness. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hello and welcome to Materialize, the launch tabletop podcast where we talk about turning game ideas into tangible objects. Today is the 14th of April 2023 and this is episode 22. This week's topic is the challenges of providing honest feedback when reviewing games that aren't that great or worse, featuring Mark and Garth from The Diceman Cometh. Hi, I'm not Eris. Okay, obviously, and Eris is currently halfway between Brisbane and Sydney because he's moving house. So uh, this week it's Alana and I completely unsupervised, which is going to be fun. <laughs> yes, yes, no, that's, right. No, Eris, uh, that's right. Uh, it, it could be could be the best show yet. <laughs> it could be a total nightmare. I don't know. Find out. I think, um, yeah, so yeah, hi, I'm Alana. Hi, Eris. <laughs> And Harris um, is probably in his hotel room waiting for his, I know he's got dinner coming, going, oh, <laughs> my God, just move on, move on. Anyway, yes. <laughs> um, so welcome, welcome. We have uh, special guests with us tonight because it is nighttime. It is after 7 o'clock up here in Brisbane. We've got Garth Gray and Mark Rickards from The Diceman Cometh. Hi, Mark. Hi, Garth. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having us. It's lovely to have you. Yeah, and I, look, Long I just want to say straight off the bat, Thank you very much for acknowledgement of country at the start of the episode. That's really lovely to see. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank no, you. Absolutely. That was, I, I, that was yeah. Eris going, we should do this. And we all went, yeah, it's a really good idea. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Oh, you, you've got a bit to read now. Oh, I've got a bit to read. So everybody buckle up. Mark and Garth <laughs> are two members of the Dice Men Cometh, which is a group of generally unrelated, but it is Tasmania, so who knows, uh, Tasmanians who produce a regular podcast about tabletop gaming. They've been on the air for nearly a decade, managing to amass more than 350 episodes during that time. That is amazing, 350 episodes. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, we just released 353 yesterday. That's incredible. Wonderful. Yeah. So when's the when's the 10th anniversary? Mm. And do we get an invitation? Uh, oh. October this year will be our okay. uh, our tenth year. We started, believe it or not, on the back of a border con. Uh, oh, yeah. Trent and I actually, Garth's brother-in-law, yeah. believe it or not, came back from the border con and <laughs> thought mostly you know, related. 
That's right. Um, <laughs> yep. We came back from BorderCon and thinking, gee, we talk about board games a lot. Maybe other people would like to listen to us. <laughs> what a laugh. <laughs> um, and we found a local community radio station that was desperate for content. Uh, we signed up there. It was a youth station focused mostly on music, and we convinced them that a board game uh, channel would absolutely fit in with everything they do. Mm. And here we are almost 10 years later. Um, we're no longer live in the studio, only as of this year. So for most of the 10 years, we were actually doing oh. it live every week yeah. in a radio studio, live to air. And then we sort of discovered, oh, you can do this thing called podcasting where you just capture the stream and post it <laughs> online. And so it's not just taxi drivers and uni students who are listening. It's yeah. the odd occasional uh, middle-aged okay. right, man right. or family friends sitting around talking about board games. Cool. Okay, so so now you're you're simultaneously streaming to other platforms. That's what you meant. Yeah. Yes. Oh, very good. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but so, yeah. What, what we do try and do though is is still record live. So while we're not live to where mm -hmm. every episode is still recorded live, we press go, and then an hour later we press stop. Uh, so every single episode has that honesty and the yep. immediate reactions mm -hmm. and also the, the stuff-ups. So thankfully over yep. nearly 10 years, yep. we've got pretty, good, got pretty good at being yep. able to talk yep. our way through most mistakes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like the, the live format. There's, there's some merits to it, definitely. And uh, we get all the... All the fun, random, tangential stuff. Um, All the flying yeah. our pants. Um, <laughs> Eris is uh, lurking in the comments. So hi, Eris, from your crappy, choppy yeah. internet, but kind of here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was a team decision to do it, but it was your idea. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, so to everyone. When you started way, way, way back, all those moons ago, what were you just, what were you thinking? We just, you know, we'll all get in a room and we'll just crap on about board games for an hour or did you sort of have a bit of a plan, like more of a plan than crapping on about board games? Pretty much option A. Excellent. So if you've ever met Trent, um, oh. he actually had a background in commercial radio. Okay. So he sort of brought the radio yeah. nows. And if you've ever met me, you'll know that I can talk pretty much uh, with a mouthful of marbles <laughs> underwater. So we started off with a very loose structure. Usually we might have maybe one game and then a topic of something. And, yeah, we would pretty much just jot down a couple of notes and speak for an hour nonstop, play a couple of songs and uh, to break up the monotony a little bit. But, yeah, it was pretty much just free streaming the whole time. Nice. And when you picked songs, were they somehow related to what was on the table or just, I really like this thing at the moment, or did somebody else pick the songs and go, no, we've got to play these? When we first started, we weren't really sure how the radio station worked and they had a playlist, so yeah. we would pick from available songs. But as we got more into it, we learned that, oh, you could take a USB stick of your own music into the studio, oh, plug it cool. in and pick music. Oh. So we would try and play songs that related to the theme of whatever the discussion was, have a bit of fun with. I would get ribbed about the fact that I always was playing 80s music. So um, well, it was a bit of fun as well. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds but like no, look, you've I mean, uh, yeah, had a lot of yeah, fun over no, the years. I, definitely. So I, I started behind the scenes. I started sort of while, while Trent and Mark were the on-air talent. 
I was sort of in the background, uh, occasionally organising interviews and, and doing a few other bits and pieces uh, when it first started. So it was originally just, yes, my brother-in-law and, and Mark, and then I came on episode 50 or so, Mark, was it? Yes, just after 50. Yeah, and that's when the magic really okay. happened. <laughs> wow, 300. Well, you say, yeah, 300 episodes under your belt then. Definitely. Yeah. Imagine. 300, that that yes. basic, basically makes you a regular now. <laughs> Almost. Almost. It's like Tasmanians. Not, not, a, local, we, not a local, but a regular. Yeah, it's like Tasmanians. doesn't matter how long you've lived here. If you weren't born mm -hmm. here, you're never actually a Tasmanian, but we'll, we'll, we'll count you maybe. Um, I tell you what, I'm really not dealing with the fact that I can see my head. I know why I'm on radio because it's really distracting. <laughs> uh, um, Jason just said, uh, yeah, oh, we yeah. need the, the Dyson Cometh playlist on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are on Spotify, so you can listen to all our episodes yeah. there. But, yeah, we should put a, uh, a little playlist together because yeah. we do try and play somewhat appropriate music when we are playing games around the table, which happens quite often where, where I'm sitting now. Um, oh. But often we're also forced to endure Mark's questionable music <laughs> choices, um, which makes learning new games quite challenging when you've got... Currently it's, what, brass techno funk or something, Mark, that plays in the background? Oh, yes. Yes, ever since I went to Rome, Adelaide, I've been obsessed with Muerta, the German brass band that does techno covers for like hours on end um it's actually really great <laughs> yeah, really i great. want to go and look this up because that sounds yeah. terrible and i'm really curious yeah so harris says mark you have a, a head for tv and a voice for radio you are beautiful uh, i think it's the other way around actually <laughs> <laughs> um very good so, um, Kate, there's yeah. circling back a little bit. We we have yeah. some some things that have been happening this week in uh, oh, it's tabletop been a, land. Been a heck of a week. Um, so we launched the new website today, which is great. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations! Like, yeah, yay. Yeah. <laughs> We've been slaving over it for the last what eight weeks at least, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. finally we have a new website, which is great. Um, please don't everybody go and jump on it all at once and find everything that's wrong. Just let us pretend that it's good for two days, please. Give, give us a couple of days of ignorance is bliss. <laughs> oh, Dan says he's been looking for something new to listen to. So There you go. Moita, yeah. M-E-U-T-E. Yeah. If you find it, Dan, can you send me a link? Because I'm going to forget. <laughs> um, yeah, so we launched a new website, which is great. Um, we, well, Dan leaked the sneak peeks at our, uh, Stella Kickstarter that's coming up. Oh, yes. Cool. I know you're not here, yeah. Dan, so you can't really say yes or no. Well, I suppose you could type in the comment, but I'm just going to show like one of the real ones. Okay, cool. Ooh, this is, this is special. These haven't been it's shown. Exclusive. You know, for, wow. for realsies. Right. Just this is one that show. That's beautiful. That's the right way. So that's Starting. Jackie Davis's number so yeah, one. Yeah, Jackie Davis. Um, yeah, the one of one of three. Yep, this one's called the Gumshoe Gamer. So Jackie's doing gamer types. So there's the Gumshoe who looks. So for cool. those that don't know, these are our our metal prints. Um, we should say and that. 
yeah, getting uh, yeah. game artists, publishers, whoever mm-hmm. whoever wants to to get on board with us to um, mm-hmm. produce metal prints of uh, game related artwork. Yeah, um, something you can stick on your wall. So yeah. speaking yeah. of, you've got some pretty looking ones behind you there, Garth. <laughs> do I? Do I ever? So look, yeah, they, these arrived yesterday. So look, thank good you timing. very much. Yeah, for sending yeah, us. So so the, I have the, not had a chance to to mount them yet, as you you may be able to tell. Um, but no, they they look awesome, and not to mention that we've also, you know, as part of our little bit of swag that that was sent to us, we got this one mm. sent through, which is designed by mm. you know um, a little designer called Ian O'Toole. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, some guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just some random random guy on the internet we found. And that one's <laughs> really cool too, because the visor has no printing on it at all, so it mm. gleams. It's yeah, beautiful. it's, it's yeah. beautiful. It's it's mm. lovely. So I'm very yeah. very excited about what's going to happen with with all of those. They look stunning, and uh, and I can see them up on gamers' walls all over the world. Yeah, well, I mean yes. we we are gamers, and they will be on our walls. <laughs> well, I've got some board game big yeah. prints up there. So you know, I've got terraforming Mars and Race for the Galaxy and a few nice. others around. So um, more stuff mm. is always more better. Yeah, I and I say know. The fact- Oh, sorry, sorry Kate. No, you go. I was going to say, you just got to look at the success of the Board Game Geek prints. And, you know, they come where you've got to find frames, you've got to stick them up on the wall. So the fact that yours come really easily uh, ready to be mounted and, and put wherever you need is a huge advantage. And I think, you know, gamers, we love, we've all got our game rooms where we hide away. I and mean, you can see mine blank here on the background. I've actually got a couple <laughs> of um, the BGG prints up on the side there. Um, we need decoration for our game rooms. These will be oh. ideal. Yeah. And I know Absolutely. that there are going to be people going, oh, you haven't got terraforming Mars or you haven't got this or <laughs> got that, which is going to be, sorry, but go and tell the publishers that you really, really would yes. love to see yeah. their art on these yeah. things because we can't steal their art. That would just be no. totally no, absolutely wrong. Absolutely not. This is this yeah. is all above board. It's the mm. it's the good stuff. It's mm. licensed art, uh, yeah. original art. Yeah, uh, you know, paying our, I'm just our looking, artists. This one is the uh, producer. One is the terraforming Mars mm. by um, Tanya Walker. Ooh, don't think oh, Tanya watches. So good. excellent. Yeah, no, that one's beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. I that one. Uh, um, Jason Tam says, any news who is on the first wave? First wave of what's going to be on the Stella website? Prints, what's available, um, presumably. Yeah, I've got a little bit of little bit of stuff that I can say there. Um, because it's all basically us talking to people and saying, hey, would you like to? People are understandably a little bit mm, about it. So some people have been really great and very trusting and said, sure. So we've got... 25th Century Games. Um, we've got uh, Jackie Davis, who did the gumshoe, and she was also one of our launch kit artists. But I've just put up onto the website today, I think, eight other prints of hers, which will be great. Um, who else have we got? Artists. We've got uh, some from Thundergriff coming. So oh, Matthew cool. Mizak, I think, is one of the artists. I tend not to think Jason in terms of artists because it's more with publishers. So it's mm. whoever did that art. But there's Nick Smith for some of the um, rule and make stuff. Yep. Who else uh, was there? Yeah. Uh, oh. We've got our our very own uh, 
So Stephen's Stephen been working with us. Um, yeah. Yeah, hmm. we, we got, we've sort of pulled together because we've all been in the industry in various formats, like in, in well, not, I guess the same format games, but <laughs> we've all been in the industry, you know, in, in, for a while now in, in various ways. And so we're kind of pulling together a lot of our own previous work, plus, you know, talking to a lot of the publishers and designers and artists yeah. that we all personally know, um, just to kind of pull this together. And um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to growing our catalog as mm. quickly as possible. So yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, looking forward to possibly should be launching some exciting stuff next week around Stella Prints. So yes, and then we're taking <laughs> a whole lot of them to Gamma as well because we're off to Gamma. Yes, Gamma. So, that so that's the, the next the next big thing for us too. Friday next Ooh. week we're off to Gamma. And you yeah. said so, our, yeah, any. You said our fee was a ticket to Gamma Reach, was was that right? <laughs> sure, but we're not fee. paying to fly you there. You fly yourself and we'll get you. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give you an exhibitor badge, but you got to get yourself there. Yeah, <laughs> also, so you can have your own accommodation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so very. Exciting. Well, we're putting on a little um a little uh, gaming convention to celebrate our tenth anniversary. I don't know. We're, we've got it in oh. Melbourne in October. We've, we're we're going to put on packs. So oh, that's nice. how we're going to celebrate our anniversary. We hope, we hope people turn up. Well, there should yeah, be a few I people turning up. Max, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just be around the tabletop area, Mark, won't we? Just, um, you know, with a bit of birthday cake or something? Probably, yeah. I'll be around there waving my microphone in people's people's faces. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, go on. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll try and hopefully we can get along as well. That would be the be plan fantastic. to have some of us there. Very good. Yeah. Um, well, that's why we chatted with both of you last time. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Over a lunch table. How time flies. Yes, we kind mm. of reunited a little bit with the the gaming industry oh God, from November last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, <laughs> no, that was good fun. Looking forward to doing that every year if we can. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, was there any other news? I don't think so. I think that's plenty of news, really, isn't it? I think that's that's the good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So uh, we should do some interviewing. Absolutely. Who are we talking to? Why we're here? We are. Yeah. For it. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, so our topic this week, as as Kate mentioned, and as the thumbnail expertly told us all, so we're talking about the challenges of providing honest feedback when reviewing games that aren't that great. Um, so obviously, Mark and and Garth, part of what you do is reviewing board games like that's that's a, a a sort of a an arm of what you do um oh. so you're 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 going to be dealing with games that you know the new hotness or the or whatever and sometimes those games aren't always going to be you know as hot as people would like them to be yeah. um <laughs> and They're so that's that's going to come to you from jamie yeah so as those as a reviewer so you, know, you you attend conventions you you you, you review these games and you need to communicate that to your audience, you know, about how, you know, you, your thoughts on these games. So how, how do you approach reviewing games that don't quite meet your expectations while still remaining fair and objective? Um, I'll throw that to Mark because you're in the bottom left. Excellent uh, <laughs> question, Alana. Thank you. And, yeah, I think, look, sometimes we are very lucky. We do have uh, privileged access to... Um, 
some designers and creators and publishers are, are more uh, friendly to us here down at the uh, arse end of the arse end in Tasmania, let's just say, <laughs> um, as far as, you know, the postage demons go. But um, we do get access to some amazing, great games. But at the same time, one of the things we've done very much since we started, almost 10 years ago, as we mentioned, was to give exposure to particularly Australian designers and artists mm -hmm. because sometimes it is very hard when you're just one little person plugging away. So we love to get all sorts of games and people will reach out to us. In fact, we got one, I think, just the other day, um, a surprise little Kickstarter from Mel Melbourne that I didn't even realise existed, hadn't heard about it, mm -hmm. saying, hey, would you guys consider reviewing our game? And we will always say, yes, we'll take a look. We can't promise we'll love it. We always promise you we'll be honest. I think, Garth, there might have only been maybe one time where the game was actually so bad that we just said, you know, we're actually probably better off not talking about it. But most other times, I think, you know, you can usually find something positive to say. What do you think? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who's listening and can't see the screen, David Franklin says, Garth should discuss his fair and objective view of Azul Green Garden. <laughs> and also, Eris bets that you're on a first-name basis with your posty, so... <laughs> that's true. That is, that is really true. I so I mean, a, well, just to reiterate what yeah. Mark says, we are we are damn lucky that um, we get the opportunity to to have these games rock up. And you know, this week has been crazy. There's been at least four or five games rock up, and they come to yeah. my address, so I, I get I get first crack at them, which is great. But yeah, the look, we started off you know being really quite anxious about this because when you're when you're a new content creator and you've been able to get your first publisher to send you something, you don't want to immediately go, uh, thanks, but that game's garbage. So we yeah. we have a lot of discussions behind the scenes. Uh, not so much now because we, you know, we're a bit more comfortable in it, but it was a lot about you know, what are we going to do? And, and we would yeah. seek feedback quite often from uh, anyone else in the in the industry that we would we'd know back in the day or having a quiet word to the, the publisher, the designer, whoever it might be to say, this is this is what's maybe going to happen. What what do you want us to do? Now, yeah, it it applies like Mark says to you know these these up and coming you know one person shows who are really just turning their idea into something physical, which is amazing and is always to be celebrated. All the way up to you know, we had quite lengthy conversations about Reiner Knizia and and a game that was absolutely garbage. What what do we do with someone? Who, who knows how to design a game like he does. Yeah. So I, I do want to say that across the board, though, almost without question, the response from designers particularly has been, we'll want, we're happy to take your honest review on one caveat, that you've played the game correctly. Yeah. And, that, and that's wonderful mm. to hear. That, that's really liberating and it's really freeing mm. for, for those of us who absolutely are not smart enough to design games ourselves. So we're here to just talk about them. But to hear that from, from designers and publishers to say, yep, we get it. Games um, are not going to be for everybody. This one's going to be for that kind of market. This one's going to be for that. Yeah. As long as you followed the rules and played it right, we're going to cop the good mm -hmm. or good and the bad. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good a good attitude from the industry. Um, yeah. Because I, I know of reviewers who have played games incorrectly and they've had enormous 
impacts on successes of games. Yeah, and and look, they did it wrong. They had a bad time, and then they told people that they had a bad time. Yeah, which is not that's not fair. Like it's it's really quite simple. It's not fair. Now, I, I I have to say though, there are some instances where rule books are absolutely the game's worst enemy. And for anyone out there who's designing a game, you want to be making Mm -hmm. sure that you Mm -hmm. are either an expert at writing rules clearly or you have contacts with who are because we get games that are essentially a deck of cards where the rule book is, you know, I don't know, an A5 bit of paper and you have to read it 10 times to think you're playing it correct. And and that's Mm -hmm. not fun for anyone, let alone someone who is then going to critique your product. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't don't make your rule book an afterthought. No, <laughs> it's no, no. Uh, it's so important because that's yeah, the that's the that's your the line of communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how you, the, the designer, talk to your your yeah. uh, the players. It sets the um, tone. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we we just see that you know, especially in Australia, where you know there are a few established people, but there's a bucket load of of new up and comers. Mm. product yeah. screams of I've had a great idea I've played it with my mates I've taught it personally to my mates and that's it I haven't done yeah. any blind play testing I haven't put yeah. it on a table to random strangers and just said go yeah it's it's all highly in this bubble that this designer mm. has which gets some fun but mm. you're never going to get honest feedback when it's your mates you know they're going to say oh it was great or we played it when we were drunk and I don't remember whatever the case may be there are games <laughs> where it is yeah. so obvious that this game is fine for the five people who have played it ten times, but it's not yeah. going to be fine mm-hmm. on the shelf of any game store. And and, and that yeah. again, we we have an obligation to say that because we're not here to try and pump smoke up people to say that they're good or bad. We're going to say this is this is what our thoughts are. Now, the other side is that through time constraints, we're not we're never going to be the thorough reviewers who play games. 20 times before we put out content because we're putting mm. something out normally every week. We're now moving to fortnightly and we've done so this year, but trying to play a game five or 10 times is exceptionally challenging, especially when you're looking at a game that plays for multiple hours in a, in a go. So yeah. a lot of the time we're, we're up front and we say, this is a first impression, you know, and we've not played all the modules or all the attachments or all the bits and pieces. This mm. is what our initial impression is. And I think Mark, you can agree we're we're pretty good at understanding rule books. We've read, thousands of them um and we can quite quickly pick up where stuff is is clearly not at the, the level that it needs to be yeah yeah do you I, have think... any, I was gonna say do you have any favorite and oh my god rule books but you go first mark and we'll come back to that one. Oh no i was going to say for me sometimes i wonder i have had a, a few times where i've thought i wonder whether the designer stopped and thought why does the world need this in it? What does it add, you mm. know, where there's not already a gazillion games that pretty much do the same thing except, mm. you know, with dwarfs instead of cats or something like that. <laughs> but, um, look, I get I get the creative urge. Hey, we're out there in Fortnite just putting out random thoughts out into the world for mm. people to listen to. I get that creative urge to make something. Um, but I think... For me, that's a critical question that people want to stop and ask. Like, what does this add to our hobby that isn't already out there in another form apart from, you know, hey, it's got nice Mm. pictures or, hey, it's got um, a different race or, hey, it's got this in a a female form instead. Oh, no. We we, we lost lost Mark. (laughs) The gremlins. um, The gremlins. Yeah, once the 
comes back up. still on dial-up somewhere out there in the sticks of Tasmania. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple <laughs> I mean, of other comments. There he is. He, he is there right, he is. I guess, He's in back. that. And Leon, especially, um, who, who's our third member, um, he, he always talks about, you know, why should this game stay on my shelf? You know, he's 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 a very much one of the gamers where he gets a million games come in and then he gets a million games go out through the secondhand market because I, mm. I only need this many number of games that fit this mechanic or this criteria. Yeah. So unless it's mm. better, it's just going to come on the shelf and be gone the next day. Mm. Yeah. So Eris has a, a good question there. Um, do you still worry about publishers stopping sending you games because of negative reviews? Is that something that kind of enters your thought process? Uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll take this one. No, no. And, and this is where it is fantastic that what we will typically do is we'll give the, the publisher, the designer, whoever heads up. We'll, we'll reply to an email. We'll send them feedback and say, look, just to let you know, we've played the game and these are our thoughts. Um, this is what we plan on on saying. You know, just because it, it's it's one of those things that you learn is, you know, you want to praise in public and, and you want to be a little bit um, more critical in private. So we, we we owe it to those people who do send us review copies and, and thank you to everyone who and anyone who does because we play them all. But it's fair mm. enough to say, look, we didn't like it for this reason. But on that, we're not all about just giving them a, uh, a certain sandwich. We want to say, we like this. We, we really made sure that... You know, this element was really good. This was unique. This was the enjoyable part. And especially in the, the day and age where so many games are crowdfunded, whether it's being from a small mm. up-and-comer or an established publisher, um, you know, they've still got the opportunity potentially to tweak it. And if our feedback helps that in the right direction, then we can be happy with that. Cool. Mm. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, yeah, so Eris had a counterpoint about uh, the... Uh, why does it need to exist? Uh, is making art for art's sake uh, valid? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess as a creator of something that is very intangible, like I just open my mouth and I create, well, at least that's what I say. Um, <laughs> where someone's creating <laughs> a physical product, I guess it's a different, it's potentially a different thing, but like if you're creating something that is, so similar to something else out mm. there except for one tiny degree is is that art i guess that's up for um consideration but if you're creating something because you enjoy playing with your friends and then you think oh well i might take the next step to put it out in the world for everyone without considering mm. how everyone might receive it i don't know i just feel like there there could be a little bit of, of filtering there sometime i don't want to be a gatekeeper mm. but as we said, if people are creating something without then thinking, well, if I'm going to expose it to new people, I need to make the uh, make sure that the rules are sturdy and can be understood by people who don't have me sitting next to them while they're playing the game. That's yeah. uh, that's the biggest thing. And we know we all know that the rules is just a huge barrier for entry to so many people to our hobby. Um, thank goodness for YouTube and the Rodneys and the Maple Universities of the world that now we can sit and watch a video rather than having to thumb through a rule book. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this, this sort of leads into my next question a little bit. Um, so I, I maybe we'll, uh, Mark had a question. Maybe it's Garth's turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
Um, how do you ensure that your rev- your reviews of games that aren't that like the games aren't always you know they're not that great? How do you make the how do you provide value and entertainment to your audience um, when you're talking about a game that maybe isn't so great? Because I'd imagine that um, often like your viewers they're not going to be as interested in a or invested in feedback you might give to a designer or publisher specifically. Because for them, it's about choosing or not choosing to play a game. They don't really necessarily, they're not necessarily worried about, oh, a a publisher or designer might make a change for the better later down the track. Right now, they just want to know if they should play the game. So how do you like provide that value to your your audience um, when you specifically talk about games that aren't so great? Yeah, well, I I think the... The main thing is that there's three of us on the show who, who all have three different perspectives on what good games are. You know, I am a massive fan of negotiation games. So for me, simple mechanics where the game itself is through the interaction around the table, that's my jam. I, I love heavy Euros and I love all those economic games as well, but that's probably more Mark's speed. Mark loves turning something into another thing, into another thing that'll eventually get him another action or another victory point. <laughs> Whereas Leon yeah. is typically, and he's he's changed a lot over the last, you know, he hasn't been on it as long as, as Mark and, and not as long as me, but he's been on it for years and years now. He was initially the Ameritrash gamer. So just give him bits of plastic and ways to smack the smack, smack things around and have a fight, and he loved that. So the joy <laughs> that the three of us have different opinions means that when I say <laughs> Azul Queen's Garden is absolutely garbage, which it is, um, not Azul, <laughs> Someone else might disagree and say, well, <clears throat> yes, you're, you're not right, Garth, because Azul is a great game, but Azul Queen's Garden allows what is a really great game to go from 30 minutes into an hour and a half and people love it. Um, for me, that's not Azul. So we, we come at it from different perspectives. And, and again, I guess initially in our early days, we had legitimate conversations about this so often, didn't we, Mark, about... Well, like we can't just all say the same thing. We can't all just be glowing yeah. in our reviews and we can't all poo-poo a game. We've got to be honest and genuine. So, you know, for this episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna legitimately say my criticisms of a of a game and I'll be the I'll be the bad one this time and, and you can be the good one because you like these aspect aspects of it. And yeah. and that's where the interaction is hopefully really enjoyable for listeners. So we're not just this game is this, you play it like this, and there's our review four out of five. It is about the interaction. And and I guess the joy of what we have is that almost every game we're talking about, it is the three of us sitting around a table all playing it together. Mm. And that's something that a lot of other reviewers don't have the luxury of. They, They might play it within their own little groups, and when they get together... They're talking about their own solo experience of this game, not the one that the three of us who are all on the mm. show have had. So, so okay. I guess you're you're sort of saying that it's rare to find a game that is objectively bad. <clears throat> it's it's you'll you'll generally always find there's something always in it for for someone. Every game <laughs> has something for somebody out there. Well, there's look, always some qual- generally always yeah. some quality that's. Interesting. There to is, someone. and sometimes the quality is yeah. it looks good, and that's about it. Sometimes mm-hmm. the the quality of the game is this one little piece of it that was really fun, but these other half a dozen parts of it weren't, and that's mm-hmm. where the joy of playing a lot of games and being able to compare a whole raft of of games from five minutes long to twelve hours long with no shortage of mechanics. 
allows us to at least hopefully give some valid feedback to say that this this part of it is good. But have you have you looked at this other game that does something similar? And have you thought about you know what you could maybe tweak? Mm-hmm. Mark, I think you luckily, yes. Sorry, <laughs> my radio, my radio head showing. Um, one of the things that sort of we have fed back to us from our listeners early on is they often they don't actually care about the game that we're talking about. What they care mm-hmm. about is the interaction and the banter between us. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, often you know we've been told the more banter, the better. And so, if you have a game that's quite divisive it can actually make for a great episode because we have a really great conversation back and forth. Whereas if you have um, content where it's just one person talking about their experience of the game, (coughs) board game barbecue, um, then often it doesn't create the same experience for uh, Next week we're having board game barbecue on. So (laughs) (laughs) We love those guys and gals. Yeah, no, we we are big fans big fans of their work and they learned everything from us. So, you know, flattery is the, um, is the best form of something or other. Yeah. <laughs> Imitation. <laughs> Imitation is the best form of flattery. Something. Yeah. We've got a yeah. really good one from Dan. Dan says, do you prefer, and basically it's like choose one, pick one. You can have uh, a nice slim book of rules that assume people have common sense or really well-written thorough rules that cover every possible angle what do you pick i i guess yeah it really depends on the game you know so for example we we played tapestry only a couple of nights ago which is a two-hour civilization building game where the rule book is essentially what two bits of paper that that's Mm -hmm. it you know so that's great but the challenge of a of a really slim rule book is it's not going to cover off almost all the scenarios or even half the scenarios that you're going to find yourself in. Uh, I remember when I started in this hobby, you know, a long time ago, I really liked the Czech Games Editions rule books because they were really well written, but they also provided a bit of humour and they also provided some really good examples. And, and I really appreciated that, especially when I was learning something like Dungeon Lords. Um, I guess... You know, there, there's cardinal sins in rule books where, you know, terms flip and flop and you don't say that this is a piece or this is a, a meeple or this is a thing that changes throughout the course of the rule book. And that's just mm-hmm. hard to read and confusing. Yep. Um, when so you're trying to make up three. terms, uh, you know, if, you, if you're making up terms that the reader doesn't understand, get a glossary, get something to make sure that you understand it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I find it quite therapeutic personally sitting back and reading rules. And I guess, Mark, you, you would hopefully agree that I do read the majority of rules and teach the majority of the games that we play. Um, I've got a, a game over there which is going to be a bit of a, a struggle, and that's fine because I, I do find enjoyment in that. But what I hate is having to go back again and again and again and again and again because I'm pretty good at reading rules. I get it. But there's been a, um, a, a recent successful Kickstarter that was probably, you know, I don't know, successful a few months ago um, where it was not a complicated game, but the rules made it sound horrendously complicated. And I just hate the fact that someone who knows what they're doing generally found a struggle, that if this game makes its way onto the shelf of a store, it's going to get bought and returned because, you know, you won't get past the first block of text. It's just going to be too too much of a challenge. And, and we've talked about it on the show that, you know, the thing that keeps games out of 
you know, Woolworths and, and Kmart and all of that is the, the rule book. You know, the reason that yeah. Scrabble and Monopoly and all of those are there is because everyone knows them. The rules are pretty simple and there's not a big, a big barrier. And, and that's where someone like Stonemeyer has done a wonderful job because they are rules light. They also look glorious. Other designers mm. probably need to take note of that. Yeah, Eris has a good good uh, remark. The Broom Service rule book is good for this. It has a rule summary column on every page. So that yep. that's definitely a strategy I've seen <clears throat> for some games is to distill down yep. the bulk of the content into quickly, easily accessible um, nuggets of information that you can Absolutely. kind of refer to as, you know, Read read the guts of it. Read all the the long stuff once, but then have a nice summary that that you can mm. refer to quickly to refresh, yeah. rather yeah. than hunting for keywords. Um, yeah, and I'm yeah, sure I was definitely going to add that. Sorry, mm. Sorry uh, Alana, I was going to add that. I think to answer Dan's question directly, the best games have both. They have a summary, mm. maybe an intro mm. guide, maybe a tutorial, and then a glossary or a deeper section where they cover off. The, the things that you need to know in detail for that one particular time where you draw, you know, two cards that clash that you need to understand how they mm. work together and you don't want to be diving through board game geek to try and find, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the question that answers there. Um, I think, and you're right. Um, so Stonemeyer do it really well. That's the one that comes to mind because my memory is very short and we played that a couple of nights ago. Mm. But, the, yeah, the fact where they have might have a summary sheet, but then they'll also have a glossary of terms. Um, the other thing mm. that Garth mentioned is it's great to use terms that add theme to a game, but you don't need theme for a discard pile. You don't need theme to a mm. deck when we all know, you know, they're, they're common terms. And by doing that, you actually just add confusion to the game. I get we can't say tap because it's trademarked to magic. <laughs> so we can say tilt slightly yeah. or things like that. But yeah, for the most part. To the left. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. For the you most say part. say what it is. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, simplify rather mm. than complicate because, our, you know, as we know, mm. it, it's hard enough to get a new game to the table where you're all new to it without adding those extra layers of complication. Yeah. Mm. So it definitely sounds like, as a reviewer, a a poorly written or inconsistent or you know rule book really does hamper the process for you to to come up with a review that you know something you can talk about. Um, it just makes yeah. that much harder. Um, well, it does. <laughs> you know, and and we're gonna we're gonna say it. You know, we're gonna mm. say this is a, this is a horrible rule book. Now, you know. You know, you look at someone like Vital and Ian O'Toole and, and what they do for, for their games, those rule, book, rule, rule books are not short. But, geez, they are excellent rule books. And then every player gets their own little player guide that really helps them, them through. And for anyone designing the, the heavier type of games, that's the template. You know, that's where you, you are going to be able to get a lot of information um, transferred pretty simply. And I think that's a, a credit to them. Yeah. I think also Absolutely. just to... to tag onto that if you've got a five minute card game where it takes 10 minutes to play the rules <laughs> clearly there's something wrong Bit yeah. Of a mismatch. Yeah. yeah it's it's a tough one where you have to you know you want to introduce a new game to your game group but you have to be you have to be organized enough to have pre-read the rule book you know analyzed it you know codified it done rereads and and 
you know, to the point where you're an expert, you could give a lecture on it. Like yeah. that, that's tough when you're trying to introduce a game to a, a casual board game group. Um, you know, well, we've been doing, Mark and I have been doing um, stuff in our work lives, actually, where we've been, you know, when we're, when we're in meetings or whatever, we've been bringing card games or games as a little icebreaker. Mm. So that is, that is the ultimate test of a game to see whether you can get half a dozen mm. or more people to understand it. So I, I took a new, um, a new real-time game called Kites, where you're cooperatively trying to put on the best kite show, um, where you'll all win if you get through a deck of cards, which are basically kite cards, or you're all yeah. lose if any one of the half a dozen sand timers oh. flips out. That now, sounds absolutely delightful. It is brilliant, uh, thoroughly recommended, and it is at a really good price point. My family has loved it. Mark, you and I and Leon have played it, and the um, the team at work ended up a couple of people buying it. So that's a, a thoroughly yeah. good recommendation. But it has a really small rule book. However, I still wouldn't have felt comfortable teaching it to them in that environment mm. had I not already played it 10 times. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and sounds as you a little said, bit today, Garth, mm. Yeah, Garth, uh, I was yeah, going to say, you, yeah. when you mentioned to me that you were playing it, you actually <coughs> left out a couple of rules that made it slightly more complicated. But at least you had the knowledge of the <laughs> yeah. game to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an art form. Teaching games is is an art form. And yes. you having a good rule book is a, you know, you want the good foundation to then be able to teach the game to people who have not read the rule book. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, have you ever faced any backlash from the gaming community or a game designer, publisher group or whatever for, for any honest but negative reviews that you might have given? And, like, how did you handle that? Um, I'll throw that to Mark. I think Mark's due for a question. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just, I've, as long as I don't stop peddling while I talk, um, hopefully. As long as you talk about Aros, Mark. happening there. Uh, yeah, so I think no is the answer. Um, okay. I do remember the the first few times where we were we we were very very scared to actually reach out and say, um, "We're not sure how to say this to you, Mister or Mrs. or Ms. Designer." Um, but this sucks. I really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yep. And we were very, very, very nervous to do that. And as Garth mentioned earlier on, the fact that pretty much every time they came back and said, look, that's fine. Did you play this rule correctly? And they would talk us through mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we'd find out if we did or didn't. Ooh. I think that was great. We, um, yes, <laughs> I do remember Theros, where the poor designer told us about the 10-year struggle of getting his game through his friends and then through the publisher and then the publisher changed it so many times and, there were he pointed us to the 500 pages of backstory for the fictional <laughs> setting that were on a distant dark forum on board game geek buried somewhere and we did feel very sorry for him and they, again i think we we did a, a decent review we talked about some very positive points for that game and there are some people that actually love that game but there are a lot you know it's not going to appeal to a lot of new um, players because of some of the aspects of it but i think i feel like we've had a really good reception i was trying to think of where we had a bad reception the one that comes to mind i think is when trent interviewed a spiel the Ciaris judge and mm. basically told them that their whole process was corrupt and it was all just about the spiel the Ciaris team Oops. making money <laughs> by sticking the sticker on the game and getting it out there so they mm. would simply just choose the game that was going to look best on the shelf um 
I don't know that that went down so well, but he <laughs> there was a large element of tongue-in-cheek in the interview. Mm. Um, and it, it sort of came around originally. But I think for the most part, uh, I find game designers to be uh, incredibly understanding and just grateful that we have been willing to look mm. at what they've created and have a conversation with them. So many of them have said, actually, look, I've sent this this out to so many reviewers and you're the first people to actually come back, ask me questions, engage with me and talk about it, which I have found really surprising. But I guess there are those channels out there that just, you know, and I guess the dice cow comes to mind where they just must have to chew through so many games because everyone sends mm. them everything. So um, I've, I've, I certainly feel for them. We don't have that concern, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like the 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 industry and and people who play games, you know, they they value they see the the value in in honesty in in reviewing, um, rather than mm. sort of just pandering to sort of commercial pressures. Um, there is a place for negative or, or honest feedback in the industry. So that that's good to hear. Um, well, if, if the whole industry is made of people who are just told how good everything is, then it's it's going to be a pretty horrible industry, and it's not going to it's not yeah. going to create interesting stuff. It's just going to create carbon copies of stuff that was successful last time, and that seems yeah. like a pretty boring place to be. So, you know, we're yeah. we're I, I love the fact that we're honest. I love the fact that mm. we we're we're not we're not for hire. You know, we, we will, we absolutely go out there and say, look, you know, we would love to have review copies, but you know, we don't get money for it. We don't get anything like this. You know, we, mm -hmm. we do have sponsors on the show and we're very open and honest about that, but you know, they send us some games and we call them garbage. That's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, actually this is sort of, we've been talking about this nebulous idea of, of, of good, and um, Eris actually asked a really good question. So, you know, what metric do you use to define good? Because, um, yeah, we, we sort of, we, we throw that term out there. Oh, is it a good game or a bad game? <clears throat> um, we did talk about the sort of the, the, the objective measures and the subjective measures. But, but you know, in your opinion, what, what things are you looking for that you would then go, yes, this is a good game? All right, well, I'll go first. So I think the immediate thing that makes a game a good game is that the art matches the type of game you're going to play. Um, if you've got a game that is cartoony and casual and then is a, a four-hour game, that's going to be confusing people who buy it off the shelf, go, oh, I've got a light, cartoony, quick game. That's going to be great. There was There's one here called, uh, was it Food Truck Champion, Mark, that, that looks cartoony and looks little and looks light and is you know the size of a small book. And it's a bloody ordeal to go through it's, it's almost like a, a glory to Rome innovation type game which is really heavy duty so having the <laughs> consistency in this is what a game looks like and this is what I'm going to be doing matched up with with the mechanics of it all is is really important and again good is absolutely subjective what I think is good is not what Mark's mm. going to think is good is not what Leon's going to think is good but if I can say for me good is I can play it with my family who's this age and this age we can get it around the table in this time frame it does what it says on the box and I actually care why I'm playing this game, then that's good. You know, you look at the little blurb on the back of it and it says you're all going to be pizza makers in a dwarven village selling stuff to the evil so-and-so, then that's fine as long as the game tells me, oh, you're going to be doing this and turning this and doing this and doing this and it's fun. And my, my daughter actually, you know, 
talked about this only a couple of nights ago when we were, were playing Viticulture. And I, as I do, talk to my family about um, board games. And um, she asked me, you know, what makes a game complicated? And, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, you can have a card game of making wine where every card is a bottle of wine and you win by getting rid of your cards. Or you can have another game where you get a deck of cards that are grapes and then you go to this and then you do this and then your final thing is where you've sold wine. And, you know, I was able to articulate that quite well. And this is where, again, if a game tells me up front, this is what you're going to be doing, this is why you care, it's going to take you this long and it delivers on that, then that's good. Yeah, I'm definitely um, Maggie to Garth's Amy where I need the theme to tie into the mechanics and I am all about, you know, thematic depth in game. And if a game pretends that it has thematic depth by having this com a complicated backstory, but then you go into the game and it's really just skimming across the surface, then I would argue, well, why do you have that theme? Or you need to think more about how the theme and mechanics tie together. But the other, I think, very simple thing for me is, if I finish a game and I go, oh, that was good, I want to play that again, then for me that's the the big golden tick of it doesn't matter that I've been sitting here for five minutes or five hours. If I have that feeling at the end of the game, then clearly it's, it's mm. scratched some itch that I have that potentially another game can't easily fill that gap. So that's probably mm. what I look for as far as good. Yeah, right. So wanting to play it again is a good metric. <laughs> that I think yeah, that could be fairly universally applied. If, if you like a game enough, you want to play it again, then uh, yeah, that that's that's probably a, the hallmark of a good game. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I guess to to kind of round out the interview, actually, um, Eris has one more really good question. Eris, it's almost like you. You normally host this show, but <laughs> so to kind of just round out sort of what we've been talking about, um, you know, as a reviewer, like what advice would you give to designers or publishers that want to send you games to review? Like what's the sort of the distilled down things to, to kind of really remember or to, to think about? Uh, do it. <laughs> It's the, it. the short answer. Step one is do, do it. Do it. I mean, yeah. the, look, the, the short answer is yes, do that, because any designer, established or new, needs to get independent and hopefully impartial opinions on their product. Mm. We do it in a, in a public forum. So you send us games, you're going to get feedback from us, good, bad, and otherwise, and, and hopefully that is taken with the spirit in which it is intended, which, yes, we're creating hopefully... Um, you know, enjoyable content to listen to, but for for designers and publishers, it's it's truthful. You know, if we're saying this part of the game or this design choice doesn't quite work for us for X, Y, and Z reasons, then hopefully that is that is you know taken on board, and something might happen of it. Something something may not. Um, there's I've got I've got so many games there that we have played multiple times that are prototypes that have never seen the light of day. Some of which have become you know really established games, and that's really good. But the games that we get sent are sometimes so different when they are actually produced because they've actually taken the not just our advice but advice from from clearly um, people who are just outside their small you know friendship group or you know their their small clique and that's been that's been good to see. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted so to add it's... some actual useful advice. Um, <laughs> um, 
I would say, particularly if you're uh, designing a slightly more complicated game, making yourself available to to chat beforehand, for us to ask questions. I mean, a classic example recently was um, Kenny with Scrap, yep. where the night we were playing the game, Kenny basically made himself available on chat. We were messaging him specific rule questions because he, he made it clear that the rule book was still at a quite early stage. Um, so we were able to message him specific questions and get answers in real time. That was fascinating, uh, uh, seeing the process of that. But also, it really meant we could actually play the game properly rather than playing half a game going, oh, actually, this is a bit frustrating. Let's stop. Maybe we'll come back to it later or maybe not mm. because we don't have time. Um, enabled us to play a full version of the game, which that is quite a complicated game. Um, give him some feedback around those rules, but also... Um, be able to play it, have the confidence that we have played it properly, and therefore we can talk about our experiences more when you know we're not going to be saying the wrong thing when we've done done the wrong thing. So I think if you are going to make your review copies available, then think about how you communicate with the reviewers and support them through the process of playing your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a bit of a, it's a full life cycle. It's 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 not just send it done expect good things to happen you've got to be engaged with the process um and yeah, that is really hard because you know, a, a lot of these people are sending us their baby you know and they think yeah. it's the best yeah. thing in the world and and it's really yeah it's really hard to go actually no. problems here yeah. yeah 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 awesome Okay, well, look, I think that sort of nicely wraps up our, our sort of interview segment. Those are some really good sort of tips and insights, I think, that that a lot of us could take on board as publishers, designers, other reviewers that might be wanting to get into the game, you know, start their own reviewing. Um, you know, good good things to be mindful of, absolutely. Right. Hey, Alana, you know what I've just realised we don't have? What we don't do have, have a slide for the questionnaire. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, no. That's okay Rose because we're be... not doing the traditional questionnaire. <laughs> no, 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 that's Sorry, right. Rose. Yes, we should We should uh, move on to the, the questionnaire. So, I'll do the um, questions. Yeah. Like I'll put the things up and you ask the questions. Absolutely. Let's right, so we're going to ask so, you five so, yeah. questions. You okay. will be marked yeah. on your answers. Yeah. <laughs> these are, I don't want to be marked. Right. I spent enough time with him. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so question one, um, are you more of a strategy, luck, bluffing, or resource management enthusiast? Mark. Mm, well, uh, as you've, you've heard Garth say earlier, I am a bit of a Euro ga game buff, but at the same time, I do love my theme. Um, I've been totally hooked into the worlds of uh, creators like Awakened Realms, with Nemesis and Aetherfields and Tainted Grail that I've spent hours and 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 hours playing. If I say I can't stand, it's probably a bit strong, but I'm not a huge fan of abstract games. I sort of, I need to engage with the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that would be me. Easy. I'm bluffing. Loving. Everyone knows that they can't touch me around the table, and that's fine. <laughs> Garth is a sneaky bastard, and you cannot ever trust him. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. 
You, you can't you can't trust someone with a with a beard that magnificent. <laughs> I remember playing a game of Chinatown with you, Alana, in Brisbane one year. Oh God, Chinatown! And uh, that, was, that was when we had a night out with Martin Wallace, and and I uh, yes, I, this I remember. I remember distinctly. Yeah, bluffing is absolutely not my jam. <laughs> it uh, doesn't tickle me in the right ways. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, cool. Uh, All right. Question two. Question the second. So time-travelling aliens or shape-shifting wizards? Garth. Well, I, don't, I, I think shape-shifting wizards, time-travelling aliens, there's too much of that. That's boring. <laughs> Any shape-shifting wizards who are bluffing something. Good answer. <laughs> Mark? Oh, look, I was just going to refer back to my earlier answer about heads for radio um, if you don't have to look like this, why would you? So I'd definitely go for a shape-shifting wizard. Well, we do look like a couple of them, don't we? <laughs> Unfortunately, the shape is round. That's the problem. <laughs> round is a shape. It is. Number three. All right. So you're stranded on an island. Which game component would you pick? A bag of meeples or a box of dice? Because Wilson, oh, the ball was already one. taken. Well, um, given we are the Dice Men Cometh, I think that one is obvious, at Dice Men Cometh <laughs> on all the socials. Same. Okay. Dice. Yep, come okay. with the dice. Yep, fair enough. Now, this, is, this could be controversial. <clears throat> Expansion packs, essential or unnecessary? <laughs> Surely this is a why not both situation. If the game is good, give me more, 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 more. If the game is average, just move on to something else. Fuck. I, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say mm. any game that's good enough to survive without any expansions um, is great. And I think so often we do see, um, I don't know whether it's a Kickstarter thing, where when you look at a game and an expansion, you can tell that that game has been designed and then a portion of it has been pared back mm -hmm. to be um, released at a later stage, not looking at any designers whose names might end in inch. Um, no, 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 no. He didn't actually <laughs> take anything out of that. I can tell you that what went to Kickstart in that first one, that was actually what was designed. He just was like, and I've got all this other stuff that I'm going to do as well. He yeah, hadn't actually no. designed any of that other stuff. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> Sorry, that one, that one just came to mind as a game that obviously you do. I'm, I'm waiting going, for my, I'm waiting for my latest Kickstarter uh, of the third expansion. But I think, yeah, I think if a game can stand on its own, then let it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I love those games. I mean, Race for the Galaxy. Is an, a classic example of a brilliant game that has just had extra complication added to it by expansions. And I know Garth and I love to play it in its pure form. The problem with that is there are some of the um, I was going to say races. There are some some streams that are not quite fully um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, discovered, encouraged, uncovered with those six value. Um, I'm having a mental blank. Um, developments uh, that have been added on by expansions, as an example. But yeah, look, I love I love to play the game in its purest form. 
Good answer. Cool. <laughs> All right, lucky love. Garth, Garth is not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, so what historical figure would you invite to a game night? Mm, that's a toughie. I don't know. I, I reckon any famous shyster. You know, again, I, I want a good bluffing challenger. You know, I, I yeah. reckon that's going to be great fun. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I would love to sit down and example place. Um, what's the game I'm thinking of? Uh, Brass Birmingham with some actual. Um, From Peaky Blinders. Those Industrial guys. Revolution <laughs> magnates just to see if they would do it any differently. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it would be Surely playing so Cyclades, hard. you know, with oh. some, you know, with Alexander the Great would be spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> too too difficult to too difficult to pick just one. <laughs> well, so, there's so many to choose from. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say Prince? I'd like to have Prince at a game night. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Very good. Now there you go. So that's the that's the questionnaire. Uh, five silly questions with many five silly answers. But <laughs> so we're gamers, so who won? Like surely oh, you yeah, need to tell us who won. Yeah, what was my let score? Me, let me let me roll some <laughs> dice. I'll consult it's the rule book. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, this rule book has no win condition. I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> Okay. Uh, very good. All awesome. Right. Well, I think that does it. Are we done? Yes. I yes. think I think that's that's good. We've done all the important bits. Eris will be uh, hopefully proud. And I'm sure I'm not. Just <laughs> hopefully, that, hopefully, Eris has enjoyed their meal. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week, Mark and Garth. It's been good. Oh, it's been Absolutely. an absolute pleasure. I, I have enjoyed watching quite a few of your episodes. Oh, and you. to be in one has been both fascinating and incredibly scary and reminding me of what a great medium radio is. <laughs> <laughs> so if people would like to find you out there in, you know, the great wide internet, where should they go looking? Well, quite easily. We have our own website, dicemencometh.com. Oh, there Excellent. it is. Um, and <laughs> we are that. at at Dice Men Cometh on all the socials. So we're probably most active on Instagram. We have Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. And there's also for, especially I guess for, for designers and, and publishers, Dice Men Cometh at gmail.com. So um, send us send us emails. You know, talk to us, engage. We are, as Mark said earlier, all about promoting the hobby and especially promoting designers and publishers that are Australian, New Zealand, Antipodean, because in Australia mm -hmm. it is still such an emerging um, business. And mm -hmm. the, the amount of increase in content creation, the amount of um, ups and downs that lots of designers and publishers have had over the last 10 years that we've been around has been really interesting. It's great to see in Australia the growth that, that is happening with tabletop games. And I, I'm sure I can speak for, for Mark and Leon when I say we're really proud to be a part of it whether that be a big or a small part, um, I, I guess, you know, we, we'll, we'll figure that out ourselves. But, you know, something like the creation of the Kanga Awards, um, you know, which started off as the half RC Awards, Mark, you know, that we were yes. doing as a, as a bit of a, a, a bit of a lighthearted take that has now formed into a, a really 
hopefully important you know um award for a lot of designers and publishers that that are highlighting australian content in games mm -hmm. yeah, how Absolutely. australian is that the half arsies oh. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we needed to come up with something a little bit more professional eventually normally we don't do oh you don't have to be professional until they start paying you for it exactly well we're looking for that ticket when, to, uh, when does yeah. that happen more <laughs> i think you're on mute you're, you're on mute no 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 no, no shake no no <laughs> no not well, no look in all seriousness i, I just want to mm. say i'm really excited about everything that that launch tabletop is doing um, and I think, you know, it's, it's great, obviously, the, the artwork that's, that's coming on board, that's going to be really exciting. And, and just being mm. able to, to give designers who uh, are trying to turn their idea into a physical product, um, to, to give them an option to do that is, is really impressive. And I do thank you on behalf of the industry for, for doing that. Um, you know, it is a challenge. And, and we are very much in the case where we admire anyone who has the guts to turn an idea into a physical product. Now, sometimes that's going to be a, 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 an idea that works for their table and their table alone, but okay. sometimes you're going to get this wonderful idea that turns into a, a success. And, and we just love that people keep doing this. I, I wish I was smart enough to design a game. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun industry to be in. <clears throat> and yeah, <clears throat> very good. I'm, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking, woman. Oh, um, well, we should wrap up. It's time for dinner. I don't know about you guys, but I've got pizza about to happen upstairs. So an empty glass. Oh, I'm yes, going out I to a fancy out steak restaurant. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Now you've run out of gin. <laughs> right. So here's the end of the episode. It's a whole lot of reading. So buckle up. Alana, thank you. It's been good. I don't think we embarrassed thank you. ourselves Absolutely. too much. And no, no, you. no. Well done. Again, absolutely. I think I um, think you will. <laughs> and we look forward to having Eris back next week. Uh, thank you, everyone who joined us in the chat. It was great. Lots and lots of comments. I think it might have been a record for sheer number of comments this week. Yeah, but absolutely. Maybe we should lock Eris. We win. Room more often. You win. <laughs> <laughs> that was the win condition. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. If yeah, beat that board game barbecue. Sorry. Uh, said beat that board game barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to have to get them on. Um, if no, anyone no. out there would like to propose topics or ask questions for a future show or just, you know, talk more about game development or anything else uh, related to bringing game ideas to life, join us on our Discord server, launchtabletop.com forward slash Discord. You can also follow us on YouTube and Facebook with future episodes always, you know, well, not always, but usually once a week. Um if you watched on YouTube, please give us a like and, you know, maybe consider clicking that little subscribe button. That would be very helpful. And if you have any questions or thoughts, you know, watching this after the fact, drop them in the comments. We do love to crap on about a lot of stuff and we're just as good at doing that in typing as we are with actual words. Yes, there is a new link, Eris. Alana, <laughs> it was great. So I'm Kate, your temporary host, and this has been Materialize, the Launch Tabletop Podcast. See you all next week. Thank you. Bye. My name's Dan, I'm from the Board Game Barbecue, and Leon is my favourite dice man. Oh! <laughs> That's <is> so hard! <laughs> <laughs>
You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.